0: Thank you for joining me today to talk food and beverage manufacturing sustainability, my favorite topic. I'm Cher Mirweather, Executive Director of Provision Coalition. We're a national sustainability organization that has had the privilege of working with some remarkable companies over the last four years on their sustainability journey. These companies have made real and lasting production and operational changes that have positively impacted the environment, their employee culture, and their business profits too. I find these transformational stories truly exciting and inspiring and I'm pleased to share them with you. Today I'm sitting with Solange Ackrell, Vice President of Strategic Planning and Process Innovation at Club Coffee. Club Coffee is a company known across North America for producing a variety of coffee, teas and beverages in partnership with well-known Canadian and American brand partners like Loblaws in addition to their own Club Coffee label. Most recently Club Coffee launched a game-changer, a 100% compostable single-serve pod called the PurePod 100. Yes, that's right. There are no more excuses for plastic beverage pods in the landfill. Solange, congratulations on this remarkable innovation in beverage manufacturing. Thank you, Cher.
1: Uh, happy to be here with you. Uh, a little bit about Club Coffee. Uh, we are one of North America's largest uh, contract roasters and manufacturers of hot beverages. A uh, Canadian-based company. Actually, been around since I think 1906. Obviously, way before my time. Um, but uh, I think you know the company was owned before by Nestle, and then taken over, um, family owned. But historically, we've been a contract manufacturer. So a lot of people don't know who Club Coffee is, and often we're referred to as coffee club or the club of coffee. Um, but And being a contract manufacturer, what that means is you're in the background and you're manufacturing product for brands that the consumers see or retailers are selling. But we've really evolved from that traditional, you know, in the background contract manufacturer to, uh, you know, a private label manufacturer working with big retailers for their private labels like Loblaws and President's Choice. Uh, brands and even more so because of the evolving trends and market dynamics for retailers and consumers we've now found ourselves uh, morphing into what we call category solutions provider and 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 innovation and people and talent uh, and you know Increasing our discipline in the market has helped us evolve to this solutions provider. So, um, such an
0: exciting time!
1: Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited, and we're doing a lot of really amazing things. Uh, and we have—we're based in Toronto. Uh, we do both roast and ground coffee, um, bagged coffee, food service, office coffee, and of course the retail products that you'll see uh, in single serve. And you're sitting here in our beautiful single serve plant. Uh, and um, as you've mentioned, we've launched the world's first certified 100% compostable coffee pods for Keurig
0: machines. Amazing. So you've touched on it a little bit, but what inspired Club Coffee to take on this innovation?
1: In, in, overall, it's the consumer really drove. Um, they drove the demand for single serve to begin with. The demand for convenient solutions on the go, uh, technology, So the machines and so on demanded all these wonderful pods that delivered all these different brands that you could get in home. But eventually there was this uh, emergence of guilt because this wonderful coffee that used to go in your organics uh, is now going into landfill. And that guilt... Uh, And, uh, you know, need for change, I think, was really driven from the consumer and from a social engineering perspective as well as product capability and innovation uh, drove, uh, you know, that idea of we need to do something different. And we really had to look at what the different options were out there. Recyclability is the first thing that always comes to people's minds. But really, when you look at the actual end of life and use Um, Where you require separation of all the different types of materials, that wasn't the right solution for us. And so we looked at compostable, um, more so from the the end use um, and uh, capability perspective.
0: And I was going to say from a consumer's perspective, that would be so much easier, right? If we could just toss it right into the compost bin as opposed to having to separate the coffee grinds from a recycled product. Absolutely. So it made sense in, from a business and from a consumer perspective.
1: It does. I mean, it's a category driven by convenience. And it's not very convenient to have to separate a lid, different material types, the lid, which is a foil lid, the coffee, rinse it out, there's a filter, and then the cup. So
0: I can yes. remember visiting my <laughs> sister's home and her having this special area for her coffee pods so that she could send them back and be (laughs) recycled. So this will make her happier too. Mm -hmm. So what about the logistics of disposal with municipal organic waste programs? How are these plans evolving?
1: It's a great question. Um, We knew going into this, uh, you know, composting and the organics collection is, is obviously not as uh, Established as part of the recycling programs, and it's definitely by different provinces. But even as you look at Canada versus U.S., very different approaches and and uh, markets. Uh, in Canada, well, in both approaches, what we what we started to do was really look at learning from any other similar products that had tried this before. Um, and certainly there is this example, the Sunchips bag is a very uh, you know, no, well-known example. It was a BPI certified bag. And BPI certified um, is a North American certification body that certifies you've met industrial standards, ASTM standards uh, for commercial composting. So it, it proves to break down in a, in a certain amount of time and meets certain standards. Uh, so we knew, we've always looked at it, okay, you know you need to have the certification, which that bag had, but what happened is when it actually went into what we call field, type, field or real-life municipal testing, it didn't break down in some types, because a big learning for us, every single municipal, what is a MRF or, um, you know, where they process the, the organics, everyone's a bit different. There's no one that's similar Uh, exactly similar um, or similar standards. Uh, They might have similar types of processes, but there's different variables like temperature, moisture, um, holding time. That's not really standardized. So that's a big learning. So learning from that previous, what was done before, we've got our BPI certification because you have to have that. And you'll see coming out in the news (laughs) lately, it's emerging where... um, False green claims and misleading marketing claims are now starting to really uh, get a a spotlight on it and and companies are being held accountable for making those biodegradable claims that are not substantiated or certified. So that's the stage gate one. You have to have certification. But learning from past um, innovations, then we knew we had to start to see where uh, real-life testing. And so what we did, our approach in Canada especially... We went and looked at a cross-section of different types of MRF processes. So you've got different types of processes like windrow and gore or maturation piles. And I'm sounding like I'm an expert, but <laughs> these are just high level. What I've understood um, are the, you know, the, technology, the technology side of it. And what we did is we made sure that we tested in a cross-section of all the different types and, and you know, variables so that we'd get some type of scale to know we will work in most of them. And so we covered that second point on real life testing. And that was our approach Uh, and we've broken down in in most of them. There's some that have a shorter retention time, uh, a few um, locations that it may not fully break down, but um, that's just the nature of that process of that location. But the majority of them we work. Uh, but the bigger learning was, even though we will break down and we work and we're going to get that coffee into the the organics waste stream, the bigger concern emerged around what about everybody else and the consumer? Uh, and so we re- really it came around uh, contamination and education was a big concern if, if municipalities were to start accepting. Uh, even though we passed so many different hurdles and we've done it, We've tried to do everything the right way. Uh, there's that contamination, and then there's also from a, a monetary perspective the funding, because um, especially say in Ontario, the way that the Blue Box program for recycling is funded, like through stewardship uh, fees, the green organics uh, curbside isn't funded the same way. So those are two emerging uh, factors that we're working with, um, and uh, it's it's a journey, and uh, we're getting there, close, bit by bit.
0: And so are the municipalities at a stage now there where they're accepting.
1: They are. They haven't fully come out. A few a smaller ones have, but uh, not quite, not overtly. You know, yes, open it up. We are, but it's because they're trying. We're trying to work with them to understand how do we manage some of the contamination and education around the other brands because they feel that. If we accept this, even though it has a very distinctive look as a soft pot, it's got the brown ring, um, they're afraid that uh, or concerned that consumers will still confuse it with the little K-cups and start putting those into the disposal. So we're working with them. And they're out in the market, um, and and consumers are really, you know, falling behind it and supporting it. So
0: there's the need. We just have to try and find the broader solution. That, and that's going to be such a critical part. The last thing that we want to happen is for companies to stop innovating because of roadblocks. So this is a really important piece. And so, yeah, absolutely, we have to get past that. Mm-hmm. We want to see this evol- this innovation really uh, add value to the industry, right? Are there any other exciting innovations at Cup Coffee in the pipeline?
1: Well, I would say uh, we do have some exciting ones, but I think we have we've only just really hit the tip of the iceberg was the compostable. Um, and what I would say is one thing around feeling guilty around the plastic cup waste, you know, and trying to divert that. Now we're finding the innovative way of thinking is we're trying to tie into larger platforms to really boost um The acceptance and the adoption of compostable packaging, and especially the pod. So where I'm going is it's really now starting to upgrade the narrative around it isn't just about, you know, not sending plastic to landfill. Guess what? This ties into a larger platform about food waste. So it's an innovative way of thinking to start now talking to the consumers in a B2C play around, do you know that when food waste goes to landfill, Uh, And I know I'm talking to the expert about it, but believe it or not, a lot of people still don't realize the impact that it has on greenhouse gas emissions and the climate uh, change effects. So uh, we're finding a lot more interest starting to talk about that. We didn't really have that in the initial narrative. It was built in there, but now we're making that a lot uh, more uh, prominent. And it's actually doing a lot of it's been very helpful for people to understand that there's a bigger issue at hand. So I would say food waste diversion is another another innovative way of thinking around it. But just even uh, educating around uh, you know circular economy um, and really the coffee, coffee pods have now been kind of the little catalyst. Uh, to open up the door for other types of innovative packaging and it's really thinking about the end use of the consumer so the reason why you know compostable solutions make sense in some cases is when you have that food contamination aspect and where you you don't want consumers to have to separate different things so it's opened that door to other categories not necessarily that we're going to do but like yogurt containers, what do you do with that? So the idea of bioplastics and bioresins uh, being being able to facilitate new innovation in packaging, we've kind of helped open that door, and we've been recognized. This Canadian company's been recognized by global, you know, associations like the SPI, the um, Plastics Institute in, in North America. Um, and uh, global from Packaging Awards, we just won a Global Packaging Leadership Award.
0: Congratulations. Thank Amazing. Thank you.
1: It really is because you see this little pod <laughs> next to these beautifully designed like products and packaging, but it's people are really falling behind and understanding and supporting um, the real benefit that it could have. So I would say that's where there's a lot of innovation still happening Um and creating and opening the door for other things, but for ourselves, uh, you know, we have a lot of brands that are joining the family and and really embracing uh, what compostables bringing. Uh, but we also looking at some things we can't share, <laughs> and then some things I know we've we've mentioned like what's the next step. So, but, you know, if you think about it, what made single serve? Grow for in-home coffee was really out-of-home coffee. So I call it the Starbucks generation. So where you're... And in Canada, it's really the Tim Hortons effect. Um, You know, how many people... And it may be our climate. It could be just the legacy. But... Uh, you know, Canadians, uh, we're like the third largest consumers of coffee in the world per capita, which is amazing behind, I think, like Norway and Finland. But uh, we love our coffee. And so people are so used to going out of home, buying their coffee. And you pay a dollar eighty on average for like a medium coffee, but you can get that same coffee in home for like 50 cents. So that really was the driver out of home. The technology now do it in home consistently was great, but... It's not just coffee people are drinking. You now have that Starbucks generation that are drinking their lattes. So you're going from your dollar fifty eighty to now your five dollar latte or cappuccino. Now you're seeing things like Nespresso, uh, which are you know more espresso based. You can do your milk based beverages. That's starting to grow in Canada. It's very prominent in in Europe that's our next one we currently do espresso capsules uh, but now we're looking at innovating to do a compostable so you don't need to uh, separate that and let's get those grounds back into the system Uh, and Uh, We're looking at innovating. We started with the pod, but the pod, obviously, you have to have a certain shelf life. You need to keep it fresh. You need to be able to uh, manage the supply chain and logistics, store it on the shelf. So there's packaging that goes with it. And we're looking now at evolving the packaging to see how can we reduce that environmental footprint while still maintaining the quality
0: integrity of the product. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I heard sort of throughout all of our conversation is this shift in mindset at Club Coffee of focused on innovation and really bringing sustainability into the core business. That's what a wonderful uh, perspective. Uh, thank you, Solange. It's always a pleasure talking and learning from you. And to our listeners, please join us for the next episode where I sit down with Brett Wills, a well-known Canadian sustainability expert who has developed and executed sustainable business strategies with organizations in the food, health, retail, government, and hospitality sectors. Brett is going to talk with me about what's on the horizon for sustainability in the Canadian food industry. Talk soon, everyone. Goodbye.